Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. This is a monumental period of time. I think we have gotten through a year of COVID. A full year. A full year of lockdown off and on. And now I hear that theaters and gyms and restaurants are going to be open at limited capacity in Los Angeles. Right. Like on Monday or something. Yeah. We could go to the Arclight. We're both vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're not going to do that. (laughs) I know you're not. No, here's the problem. Not going out has saved me so much money that it's going to be hard for me to start spending again. I feel the same exact way. Plunking down $45 for dinner is really going to be daunting. That's the thing. My biggest splurge for the whole year was last week. Work was so intense that I didn't have groceries. I couldn't go out to pick something up. So I actually ordered Grubhub to bring me some food from Poquito Mas. And it cost $24 to get a really nice lunch. Oh, that's not bad. No, it's not. I mean, it's double what I would have paid to go pick it up. But So I paid 10 bucks for the delivery. But you know what? It was so wonderful to have food brought to my door. And I mean, in a whole year of COVID, that's my big splurge on meals. Yeah. That's interesting. I have ordered out a few times. The last time I used Grubhub, the order was $65 for the food and the delivery with delivery. It was $92. Oh, my God. I know it. Grubhub and Uber Eats and Seamless are raking it in. Anyway, I just have to congratulate us for making it through a year. Now, are you going to be getting a check in the mail? Uh, Oh, get this. Yes, I'm getting a check. I'm getting the whole nine yards because I made not enough money last year to qualify um, for the big check of $1,400. But I had to be really cagey because I went on Get My Payment. Have you gone there? On the IRS website? Yeah, getmypayment.com. But it's part of IRS. They told me exactly the day I should expect the deposit into my bank account. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's coming. They said it's coming Wednesday. Well, I haven't turned in my taxes. And as it turns out, because of my extra income as a social security recipient, my income is higher this year. So I have to make sure that I wait until I get my check before I turn in my 2020 taxes. Oh, yes, you do have to be KJ in that case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know that your social security counts as taxable income. It's not taxable. Well, somehow, maybe it was some other income I earned that I don't know about, but somehow I earned over the limit for oh. 1400 And I th- oh. I thought it had to do with the social security, but I, I absolutely could be wrong about that. Anyway. So yeah, I had to be like a, like a big wheeler dealer here and go, okay, we will send the taxes in on Thursday because the check is coming on Wednesday. Wednesday and it gets deposited right to your account, right? Yep. Yep. That's fantastic. Anywho, I watched the Grammy Awards, right? which were very interesting. I haven't watched them in years, so I'm not exactly up on right. popular artists. But there were some that I saw that were really great, like Billie Eilish, whose music I don't really like, but I love seeing her perform. Mm. She's a girl who's from around my neighborhood, actually. She's very young. She's probably 17 or 18. She recorded songs with her brother in his bedroom and became this huge hit. She got, I think it was either three or five Grammys last year. Her name is Billie Eilish. Her album was called When We Sleep, Where Do We Go? And she's just very charming. She has green hair. It's a look. Mm -hmm. I saw Harry Styles performing, and that was a peak moment. Hmm. Harry Styles is one of the sexiest human beings that ever lived. Mm. And he's so great because he posed for Vogue in a dress. 
Oh, wow. He's having an affair with Olivia Wilde. And tonight's performance, he wore a leather, kind of a bolero outfit without a shirt on under it and a feathered boa. Wow. And he's just so wonderful and fantastic. So I saw him. I saw a group called Hiam, three women from Los Angeles who I didn't care for. Hmm. Uh, I saw Black Puma, who I didn't care for. And I saw Taylor Swift perform. Hmm. And I don't care for her either. It's not that I dislike her. I just don't get what all the noise is about. Right. I feel like she's just done the same song. She's no longer doing country music. She does real pop music now. But I feel like it's as I do with so much country music that it's just the same song over and over. Mm-hmm. Who else did I see? Oh, my God. Have you heard of the song W.A.P.? No. I, in fact, I haven't heard of anyone you've talked about except Taylor Swift. OK, <laughs> the song W.A.P. stands for Wet Ass Pussy. And oh, it's not about washing the cat. <laughs> it is vivid. It was sung by Cardi B and a woman called Megan the Stallion. Hmm. And these women go through some very graphic moves. And it's, I mean, as a woman, it's thrilling. It's all about female gratification, which, you know, rap music done by men is all about male gratification. Right. And this is a couple of women rappers who are just fantastic dancers also. Hmm. Wow. And both of them are, are meaty. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. skinny little dancer bodies. They're, right, right. Good sized women. Right. And they just went through this dance. And I really, when Trevor Noah, who was the host, announced oh, it, I thought fun. to myself, he's, he was really fun. He was, mm-hmm. a, he was a good host. I thought they're not really going to put this on. It was such a controversy just when it was in video form. Mm-hmm. I could not believe they were going to do it, but they did it. CBS. Wow did it during prime time Hmm. with i'm sure parents who were mortified who had no idea what WAP stood for. <laughs> they were there looking like the audience in the producers when they first <laughs> see Springtime for Hitler. Exactly. <laughs> the looks of disbelief. <laughs> Drop jaws. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about the production was it was done in a tent and the tent was in, it was, you know, mostly open air and the staple center was in the background and tables were placed COVID distance apart. Mm-hmm. Everybody who was sitting at the tables wore masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the Golden Globes where everybody was on Zoom. Everybody was live. Right. So I'm hoping that with the Academy Awards, they will also do a version of a live production mm-hmm. because the performers were live. Right. I'm sure that they all got tested beforehand. Right. But it was really nice to see live performances. I'm trying to think of anybody else. I saw BTS, the Korean group. I really wanted to see them because they're so famous in Korea. They're so famous mm. around the world. And they did an English song. And I thought, this has got to be great. But it really was just like any other boy group. Mm-hmm. There are about seven of them. There are a lot of them. And they sing and dance and they're great. But it's just like watching Sync or Backstreet Boys right. from however many 25 years ago that was. Anybody else? Nope. I guess that's it. The whole thing just looked like everybody was having a great time. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah. Everybody was, you know, dressed up and mm-hmm. doing their thing. And Beyonce and Jay-Z were there with their oh masks. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. Yes, I know. I'm trying to think who won the best. Oh, it was Taylor Swift who won the best album. And I think that winning best album versus winning best record of the year, best album is about writing the songs and best record has to do with the production value, how it's produced musically. So that's all you need to know about the Grammy. <laughs> that's that's all I know about You watch the, the Grammy, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it sounds exactly. fun. It sounds fun. I'm sure I would have enjoyed it if I watched. It's one of those things where a lot of the music I wasn't familiar with, but I was enjoying how much the performers were enjoying performing. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of it. Now, not to change the subject, but you did see the last of Alan V. Farrow. I sure did. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, Yes. I was surprised how good it was and how how much I related to it. It was so different from what I expected. I really expected it to be kind of a celebrity tell-all. Yes. But it's really a very human story about living with bad people who look like good people, who act like good people, yeah. and who everybody but you thinks is good people. And you even yourself, I so related to her self-doubt in her perceptions. And I could see of how course. some people would be impatient with her on that because it'd be like, hello, you know, there's pretty stark evidence of some stuff going on. But I think she's got her problems too. I mean, I don't think you, as a single woman, you'd give birth to and or adopt nine children. There's something off about that. Yeah, that's how many she had. So, I mean, to the extent that he was the bad guy and she was the hero, it makes sense considering the heinousness of what he did. It's a very honest look. And she opens up. She doesn't present herself as the best model of psychological health in the world. She just tells it like it was and like it is. She tells her story. And then these other people around it talk. It's blood curdling to see an icon of American culture, especially of American intellectual, whatever, progressive culture. Oh, my God. And she has phone recordings and they play them. And they're pretty damning. Remember when she says, you're telling everybody that I'm an unfit mother? Yeah. And you're saying things about me. And he says, and I'm going to make them stick. I'm going to make them stick. Yeah. Those phone recordings were haunting. Yeah. Did, did you see the one? I don't remember which episode where they go to his archives in Princeton. He he donated all of his papers to Princeton no, Library. That must be the last episode. It's just a small part. It's not a central part of the story, but it's interesting to hear the guy who did his PhD on Woody Allen talk about what it's like now to house these papers, knowing oh what this guy did. It's it's complicated. And there is that classic or a long standing dilemma of what do you do? How do you separate the artist from the art? True. And unfortunately, with Woody Allen, a lot of his art was contaminated by his personal demons. That's right. And they make that point really eloquently in the series. It's not like Charles Dickens. Charles it's Dickens. not like Charles Dickens, who was supposed to be not a very nice man. Right. But he wrote elevated literature. Right. It's not really like that with Woody Allen. There, yeah. there are very dark spots in almost all of his movies. Now, I remember seeing Manhattan. Yeah. And I remember being okay with it. It was like an interesting plot point that there was this age difference. But I have to confess that I wasn't outraged or shocked or offended. I and was, yet when you look at it now, it, in the context of Me Too and all of that, you look at it and you wow, it's way off. Yeah, no, it, it's terrible. I remember being troubled by it. Mm-hmm. But there was something very urbane about their relationship. It seemed to make it okay. And there was a kind of funniness to it. It was like yep. they were both in on a joke. Yep. And she was very flippant with him. So in a way, she didn't she seem to be, as equal. to be victimized. Yeah. Yes. And she was also, like they said in that one point in the documentary, they had that 
clip of her saying, well, let's do it again. And he says, you're just insatiable. Oh, right. And the woman who was talking about it said that it's, mm-hmm. it's Ben Tracy's appetite that's being satisfied. It's not that he's a predator. Right. I thought very insightful. Mm-hmm. No, because at that time, Woody Allen could do no wrong. I mean, we had no idea. Had he brought the custody <laughs> battle yet in episode three that you saw? Yes. Oh, that was harrowing. But oh, the, one of those experts said that that's a very common thing for a man who's guilty of sexual abuse is to try to turn the tables and make it about she's an unfit mother. That's they yes. do, that's and a classic that move. Telling. The hysterical mother. Right. The one right. who's making stuff up. Because Making she's because up. she's a scorned woman and coaching yeah. the child. That was the other thing. The child has been and coached. coaching. Yeah. And yeah. those tapes of Dylan did not look coached to me. I mean, oh, no, absolutely authentic. Yeah. So anyway, I liked it in spite of myself. I thought it was going to be trashy, but it was really an interesting psychological dig. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that there were no people who stood up for Woody Allen. I mean, there was no right. one that was on camera. I don't know if that was the filmmaker's choice or if mm-hmm. they looked and they couldn't find anyone. I, I'd be very interested to know what the deal was with right. that. Because he must still have people who defend him. I can't imagine that he doesn't. He and Sunni have some sort of social life, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And what's so weird is, how old was Woody Allen when he began his relationship with Sunni? Much in his older 40s, than, I think. And she was 17 or so. But it, he must have been in his late 40s or early 50s. Maybe more. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because he's now 85. Really? Yeah. They've got voiceovers of him. Current day voiceovers from his book. Yeah, I guess it's his talking version of his book. He sounds older. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Some of the things that he said, I thought were so interesting. Oh, God. Creepy. Yeah, very creepy. And that he found Sunni so intelligent and sensitive and that Mia had really never seen those qualities in her before. I don't know. The whole thing was just a mess. Although uh, speaking of Mia Farrow and her pension for adopting children, I did see a picture of Angelina Jolie. And of course, they have, I think, three children of their own and probably four that have been adopted. And now she's a single mother, too. Well, I mean, in Mia Farrow's defense, maybe her view is, look, I'm I happen to to have the means to be able to do this. And I care about these children and I want to make a difference. So maybe it does make sense, especially because she's financially able to carry it off. When she was with Andre Previn and they adopted their first two or three, he said it was because she wanted to give back. So I can see that. So I'm going to have to retract my judgmental comment from earlier. I, you know. And she was married at the time, although mm-hmm. she did continue to. Right. She adopted Sunni, I think, when she was a single mother. Yeah. But nine does seem like a lot in any event. I, Almost like it's like cats or something. It just seems like exactly. too many. Like Paula yeah. Poundstone and her yes. cats. <laughs> Anyway, I am looking forward to watching the last segment. It, uh, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I will say no more. OK, thank you. I'm trying to think if anything else has happened to me this week. I can't think of anything that's outstanding. I did have a vaccinated dinner and it was interesting because the couple that I saw said that I could use the indoor bathroom in their house, which nobody else had been allowed to use mm. because no one else had been vaccinated. And it's a whole new world. You get to hug. Oh, wow. It's so great. And we should actually, we should get together since we're both. We must because both. tonight, tonight at midnight is when I become invincible. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, then I, because it's I my two week point. And, I'll come over and give you your four machine. Oh, which nice was steamer. supposed to happen this weekend. That's yes. okay. That's okay. Yes. So have you seen or heard or read anything of, of interest? Well, you know, 
what I watched today? I watched the one you said it was too difficult to watch. I watched Judas and the Black How, Messiah. What did you think? I, I thought it was wonderful. I mean, oh. it's, a, it's a true crime story. I just love it. It's right up my oh, alley. Okay. And Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover is yeah. fantastic. Oh, is he? And, and who is the guy that plays the FBI white guy? He looks like Matt Damon, oh, but he's, he's not. His nickname is Fat Damon. Oh, is that right? He looks, his name is Jesse Plemons. I know I've and seen him in something else. He's a great character actor. He's, he's wonderful. A great young character actor. He is yes. wonderful. Um, no, he's stellar. And the tension and, between those two is great. And I loved it because it's got real life history and then it's got cinematic story tension that works. What did you yeah. think of Daniel Kaluuya? Now, was he the he was, informant? He was Fred Hampton. I'm glad he was because his was the, the performance that really did stand out. I knew that Richard Brody had tagged one of them as the one of the best performances of 2021. Yeah. But I don't know either of their names. The other guy's very good too. The one you could really call the lead that plays the, the informant. He's very good too, but he's really yeah. good. Did you recognize him? He was in Get, Get Out. Out. Yes. 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 What the one who says Get Out. Oh. He has an incredible range. He's also in something called Atlanta. And he plays this just weird character. This character yeah. that's just so goofy and out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what's it's kind of amazing about him because I've heard him interviewed and he's kind of spacey. And I, I think he went to some kind of acting academy, but I'm, I'm not really 100% sure about that. Mm -hmm. And and so he gives the impression that he doesn't really try. Oh, because he was in, remember, he was in Sorry to Bother You. Oh, He was the lead in Sorry to Bother You. The one about the men who turn into horses it's about oh, the right oh yes, right. That i was forgot him. all about that that's yeah, that right he's that really good wild. yeah um, no, i'm a big fan of Lakeisha. yeah no it's it's i mean it's good it's it's just a gripping script it's a it's a gripping crime story in my book and yes it opens up that genre to black actors and black stories about black people, which is great, but it works. It stands on its own as just a really good, tight, interesting crime story. Well, then I'm going to go back to it. Taking note of the strength of these actors, and there were many others in it too, who are just great. And realize that we've, as far as we may still have to go, we've come a very long way because yeah. years ago, you just didn't think about black actors and the Academy Awards in the same thought. We had a sort of an apartheid unspoken right. about what was possible for certain people. Remember Oscar so white when- Oh was yeah, but going way back. And it's not just Oscar, it was that black people didn't get to play real people. And we well, were part of that culture. Sidney Poitier was the token black person and he was not from the South. He was from the Caribbean. Isn't it interesting though, that some of his parts, I, I, I don't know all of them, but like I'm thinking too of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Race was part of the story, but it was about the discomfort of white people around race which was great. That was a, a step we needed to take. It wasn't about his experience. We needed to take. Yeah, now it's moved. Yes. We're not measuring these Black characters by how they relate to what Even the help was about that, you know. Yes. And, and that was I don't mean to denigrate any of those stories. And we needed to look at that stuff. But I like the fact that we've moved past it where we can have yes. other stories where race isn't. It's there. It's certainly there in Judas and the Black Messiah. But it's, I don't know, it's different. These are full characters. Yes, it's absolutely about the Black experience. Mm -hmm. It's not about the white experience of the Black mm -hmm. individual or right. group. Right. One of the things about Black artists making films that feature Black characters is that they make money. Yeah. I mean, Black Panther was 
hugely successful. I went the first weekend and you could barely get a seat. It was completely packed. I remember watching Trial of the Chicago 7, which I also found so heavy on dialogue. It was oh. very difficult for me to stick with. Mm. But in the trial, Fred Hampton was such a compelling character mm. that I remember thinking to myself, I wish the movie had just been about him. And then there was a movie about him. It was mm -hmm. Judas and the Black Messiah. But I will absolutely, by the next time we get together, I will have watched Judas and the Black Messiah. I did want to mention before we leave that the Wall yes. Street Journal has an article that I can't read because I don't subscribe, but it's got the most delicious headline. Yes. It's by an arts critic named Adam Kirsch. The headline is Why Stephen Sondheim is America's Greatest Living Writer. How do you like that? You've got to subscribe now. I know. But in the yes. part I can read, the guy's making a case for why he should win a Nobel Prize in literature. He really should. He I is know. an American icon. Yep. He's won the Pulitzer. He's won quite a few things, but that would be a nice cap to his long and illustrious career. Great. Well, good. Shall we say goodnight to our Let's Boomer do friends? it. Let's do it. Goodbye, night, Boomer, Boomer friends. friends. See you soon. See you next week. Yep. Thank Get you your shots. Get those shots. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.